Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And in this episode, I'd like to talk to you about promises. It certainly seems like over the last couple of months, I've found myself standing at a cash register, handing a cashier a credit card much more frequently and for greater amounts than I usually do. I don't particularly like using credit cards, and it absolutely drives me nuts having a balance due on credit cards, but all of that is beside the point. What is the point is that each time I purchase something using credit, I am making a promise. I'm promising that I'm going to pay for that item in a timely fashion. And that got me to thinking about how significant a role promises play in our lives. I went to my trusty Webster's New Universal Unabridged Dictionary and looked up the word promise. Thirteen definitions were given for the word. Four of them were especially applicable for what I want to talk about in this episode. The first definition was a declaration that something will or will not be done. The second was an express assurance on which expectation is to be based. The third was something that has that effect of an express assurance, indication of what may be expected. And the fourth one I want to notice was to engage or undertake by promise, such as she promised to go tomorrow. My friend, every day we make promises, and every day promises are made to us. We promise our employers that we will work a certain number of hours for a certain amount of pay. We all use utilities, gas and electric, every day. Using them is a promise, a promise that we will pay. We promise our children different things. Each day of our lives is an extension of the promise that we will be faithful to our spouse if we are married in all ways. If we are Christians, we have promised the Lord that we will act as he would have us to act. On and on with this we could go. We could probably come up with a thousand examples if we all put our heads together. But having done that, there is still something that would have to be considered. A promise is only as good as the person who makes it. People break promises all the time. How many of us have not bemoaned the fact that it just seems like nowadays it's just so hard to get people to do what they said they would do? I couldn't begin to tell you how many times folks have said to me, I'll be there, I promise. And even as they said it, I knew that they wouldn't be there. Or I have given someone some money and they said, oh preacher, I'll pay you back. I stop people when they start to say that now because in 43 years it has never been true. It has never ever happened. A promise is only as good as the person who makes it. Consider Hebrews chapter 10 verses 22 and 23. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. God will do what he has promised. This is truly one of the great cardinal truths of the Bible. God will do what he says. Men may lie, deceive, cheat, and make a promise with no intention of keeping it, but God will not do that. He will do just exactly what he has promised. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Men promise to pay a debt only to ignore it and cheat the lender. Every day wedding vows are broken, and in the world of business contracts are violated. But that is not the way with God. He is faithful. He keeps his promises. Here we sing the words of a great old song from time to time that speaks of our confidence in the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily by the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. What a beautiful sentiment that song expresses. Many of God's promises are unconditional, meaning that there are no conditions that we must meet in order to receive what God has promised. For instance, because sin entered into the world and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, God promised that he would send a Savior. The first indication of such was found in Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. That promise became so much clearer in such beautiful passages as Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6, one of the most glorious of the Messianic prophecies. It says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I shall raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our Righteous. In Acts 13, as Paul stood in the synagogue of Antioch of Pisidia, he stated in verses 22 and 23, And after he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, concerning whom he also testified and said, I have found David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. From the offspring of this man, according to promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. Let's mention one other unconditional promise that God has made. It is found in Hebrews 9.27, and is so simply stated as, and inasmuch as it is appointed for man to die once, and after this comes judgment. 
all of us are going to be there. By virtue of the fact that we were born, we are going to die, and all will face the judgment. There are so many unconditional promises that God has made. However, most of the promises of God revealed in the scriptures are conditional promises. By that I mean there are conditions we must meet in order to receive the promised blessings. We read in the Old Testament of the promises God made to Israel concerning their possession of the promised land of Canaan. One such statement of promise out of many is found in Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 24 where we find, Hence I have said to you, you are to possess their land, and I myself will give it to you to possess it, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. This was a wonderful promise, but it was conditioned upon Israel continuing to trust in God and to do what he said. In Joshua 23, the aged Joshua by that time, the conquest of the promised land having taken place, stated to the elders of Israel in verses 14 through 16, Now behold, Today I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good words which the Lord God spoke concerning you has failed. All have been fulfilled for you, not one of them has failed. And it shall come about that just as all the good words which the Lord your God spoke to you have come upon you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the threats until he has destroyed you from all this good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he has given you. Those are pretty clear conditions, and they are repeated in so many places. They would retain possession of the promised land, if they continued to be faithful. There is significant application to be made to us. The fact that Paul wrote in Titus 2 and verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men, does not mean that all men will be saved. There are conditions to be met. Let me show you what I mean by that. Receiving the blessings of the gospel of Christ is predicated upon our learning the gospel. We find in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, these words from Jesus. If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Ignorance of God's will is not an excuse. Only the truth can make men free, and then only if it is known. Go back just two chapters in John to John 6, and that is why Jesus said what he did in verses 44 and 45. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Only by hearing and learning the truth is freedom from sin and its awful consequences possible. Known truth, responded to in obedience, is what makes us free by the grace of God and the blood of Christ. When the Lord was on trial, Pilate asked him, What is truth? But Pilate didn't wait for the answer. 
Jesus tells us what truth is. In John 17 and verse 17, the Lord prayed to the Father, Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. The cry of the populace today is for freedom without even knowing what true freedom is. True freedom doesn't depend upon a person's outward physical circumstance. It doesn't depend upon a person being able to do whatever they want to in this life. True freedom is what enabled Paul and Silas to sing praises to God, even as they were in chains in the inner prison of the city of Philippi. The cry for freedom and ignore the only true source of it. Anyone can be free anywhere, but only through the word of God. Another promise with conditions concerns our growth and strength in Christ Jesus. Paul exhorts us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 to finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In one of the clearest statements of strength I know of, Paul declared, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. We are exhorted by Peter in 2 Peter 3.18 to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But how do we grow? There is no shortcut to knowledge and spiritual growth and maturity. It has to be obtained through the study of his word. Many of us know the passages. We might not know exactly where they are, but we know what they say. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, we find, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately the word of truth. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If we truly study his word with the desire to grow and mature and to be more like Christ, we will be. I think of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I can't begin to comprehend all of the marvelous truths contained in this verse, but these words, but we all, with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. The more we look into his word, the more like him we will become. The truth is, if we don't study, we won't grow, and the reflected image will be decidedly blurred. How about another conditional promise? Look at Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. As the Lord told the church at Smyrna, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Jesus made the same promise in different ways in all seven of the letters to the churches of Asia in Revelation. It is a promise to all. Just think about it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Or how about the Lord's statement to his apostles on the night of his betrayal in John 14, verses 1 through 3. What a beautiful sentiment. Let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What a hope! The Lord, who died for our sins and then arose from the dead, now promises all the joys of heaven with him forever. We have the assurance that God is faithful. He will keep his promises. We need to be faithful too, really faithful, in our actions, our words, our thoughts, in adherence to his principles, and heaven will be ours. There is one more promise that I really don't want to mention, but it is equally true. 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 7 through 10 states it about as clearly as it can. And to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. If we refuse to obey his will, we will be lost. God will keep his promises and that includes the promise of hell as well as the promise of heaven. So let us, in faith, determine to obey him fully, to live completely and absolutely for him every day. The promise of eternal life is a conditional promise, but a promise to be held on to, embraced with every ounce of our being, and it will most certainly prove to be worth it. Give consideration to these words, and thanks for listening.